Welcome to the HSBC Trade Academy, a series which has been developed by HSBC to support you and your teams to navigate through the various requirements and elements while trading internationally, all of which can be very complex. The Academy will cover various topics going through the import, export guarantees, HSBC net for trade, and will also cover the supply chain and receivables finance. This, the first episode, will offer an introduction to trade, and we hope you'll find it helpful and useful. Hello, everyone. We welcome you all to the training on the introduction to international trade. My name is Mona Mohammed. Now, global trade and receivable finance is a core business for the HSBC Group supporting international trade since 1865. And our continuous presence in the Middle East for over six decades with the aim to serve you better, we have our trade finance experts, many with LIBF certifications processing your trade transactions, and our dedicated business development managers and client services teams assigned to assist you on a daily basis. This training is presented by HSBC's client services team within global trade and receivable finance. As an important disclaimer, the information presented in this training is for information purposes only and is not intended or does not constitute legal advice. All right, so we will now kick off the session. Let's look at a simple diagram of international trade. In the first stage, you will almost always have a sales contract written and agreed by the seller and the buyer. Once the contract has been signed, the supplier will ship the goods ordered by the buyer in exchange of payment. Although this seems to be very simple, it gets complicated due to the parties that are involved in executing an international trade. So let's look at some of the parties that are involved. We start with the bank, then the buyer, seller, the manufacturer, shipping and insurance companies, various governments and its embassies, customs, lawyers, agents, chamber of commerce. More often than not, you will come across all of these parties whenever an international trade is to be executed. While you can't do without these parties to execute a successful trade, the inclusion of so many parties can make the process a little complicated. Now let us look at the risks involved in international trade. Firstly, I will highlight the most common risks that every international trade involves starting with commercial risk. Now, commercial risk involves changes in exchange rate, changes in import duties or tariff barriers, changes in transport costs. The next is political risk. These risks arise due to change in political situations in the concerned importing and exporting countries. Some of the factors affecting the political situations are like changes in the party in power in the concerned country, civil wars and rebellions, capture of cargo by enemies during war. The next comes risks arising out of foreign laws. Every country has its own commercial laws. So different laws prevail in both exporter and importer countries, which could pose a risk. The next is cargo risk. Transit risks are a common hazard for those engaged in export-import businesses. 
risks could be due to storms, collision, theft, leakage, explosion, spoilage, fire, and high sea robbery. Now, getting the appropriate insurance helps to mitigate this risk to an extent. The next one is credit risk. Once goods are sold on credit, risks arising in realizing the sale proceeds are referred as credit risk. Now, risk may arise due to the inability of the buyer to pay on the due date. The interesting thing is that even if the buyer makes the payment, it could be that there are situations that may change in the buyer's country so that the funds would not reach you to the exporter. It could be due to outbreak of war, civil war, etc., which may block or delay the payment of goods. Whatever the reason may be, if funds are not received, the sufferer is exporter. In such high-risky situations, credit risk insurance is of immense help to the exporters as well as banks that finance the exporters. The next one is foreign exchange fluctuation risk. It is ideal to transact in the same currency applicable to both sides. However, in international trade, this is less likely to happen. Either of the party will have to agree on a currency, whilst the other will bear the risk of exchange rate fluctuations. Now, from these, the specific risks to buyer are related mainly to the goods and its delivery. Therefore, non-delivery of goods, short shipment of goods, inferior quality of goods shipped, or most common one, delay in shipment. And similarly, from seller's perspective, the most risky aspect of international trade is getting the payment. Delay in payment is still fine. However, failure of payment is the highest of all risks. All right, then we shall move on to the next. That is common payment methods. We will now dive into understanding the four common payment methods that we are all familiar with and also look at the risks and mitigants for each payment method. Understanding these payment methods are most important for you, as you must agree on the payment method prior to the goods being shipped. The payment method would be stated in the sales contract. The four payment methods would almost always include banks to support in making payment. For instance, in both advanced payment and open account trading, the buyer would make their payment using telegraphic transfer route, which uses the banking channel. Documents and payments for collections and letters of credits are always routed through banks. Having said that, for the first two payment methods, that is the advanced payment and open account, the trade teams within the banks only get involved when a loan is required. Buyers may apply for a pre-shipment buyer loan to support their advance payments and a post-shipment buyer loan to support their open account payments. All right, now let's look at the four payment methods separately. The first is advance payment cycle. Now, the advance payment payment is made in whole or in part by the buyer in advance of the seller shipping the goods. So buyer agrees to pay the price of the goods being supplied by the seller. Buyer sends his payment with the order that is even before the goods are shipped. Seller ships goods to buyer after the amount has been received by him. As mentioned earlier, bank's involvement is limited and involves few banking fees. The only involvement by banks in open account trading is the transfer of funds from buyer to seller unless a trade loan is applied for. Advanced payment 
is relatively simple to administer. Now, most important thing is that whenever you are asked to negotiate with your clients on payment methods, it is extremely important to know who bears the risk. For advance payment, the risk is borne by the importer completely. Now, what are the applicable rules when using the advance payment method? The answer is none. There is no rule book for advance payment, unlike the rules applicable to DCs, that is UCP 600, and for guarantees, you are DG 758 and similar. Let's look at the cycle. The first is sales contract for any trade, be it domestic or international. So first, the buyer and seller would agree on the terms of sale and sign the contract. The buyer will then submit their advance payment instructions to their bank on the basis of sales contract. The bank will then act upon buyer's instructions and remit the payment to seller's bank. Upon receipt of payment, seller's bank will then credit seller's account. Once the payment is received by seller, they will then ship the goods to buyer. This is the most risk-free method of payment for seller as they get their payment prior to shipping the goods. Now let us move on to the next method of payment, which is open account trading. Now in open account, payment is made in areas after the goods have been shipped by the exporter and received by the importer. In this, importer gets an opportunity to examine the goods before they make payment, which is always a plus. Now, as mentioned earlier, bank's involvement is limited and involves few banking fees. The only involvement by banks in open account trading is in the transfer of funds from buyer to seller unless a trade loan is applied for. Open account trading is relatively simple to administer. Exporter must be confident about two things. That is reliability of the importer and stability of the importer's country. Now, for open account trading, the risk is borne by the exporter, that is the seller. Now, what are the rules applicable when using open account? The answer again is none. Now, let's look at the cycle. First step, agreement between buyer and seller and signing of the sales contract. The seller will then ship the goods as per sales contract and share the shipping documents with buyer. Upon receipt of goods, buyer will then submit their payment application to their bank. The bank will then act upon buyer's instructions and remit the payment to seller's bank. Upon receipt of payment, seller's bank will then credit seller's account. This is the most risk-free method of payment for buyer as they get the goods prior to remitting the payment to seller. Now let's move on to the next method of payment. And that will be discussed in the second part of the episode Introduction to International Trade in this HSBC Academy podcast series. <laughs>